Welcome to the Longest Stride podcast. Each week, we bring you engaging conversations with the global running community. We interview community builders and leaders and the incredible runners who inspire us all. We're by runners for runners. And now, here's your hosts, Jonathan Greenwald and Andre Morgan. After a nice long run, or any run for that matter, many runners like to reward themselves with a well-deserved donut or their favorite post-run drink. While some may head for the beer fridge, there really aren't enough electrolytes in their favorite pint to help their body recover. In July 2020, three friends came together to solve that issue by launching a functional beer that is also rich in electrolytes. I know our listeners will recognize the name Rally Beer, so let's introduce them to the founders. Please welcome Alan, Spencer, and Michael to the pod. Hey guys, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Happy to be here. Excited to have you guys here. It's an interesting time for, for Rally Beer. A lot of product launches, name changes, a lot of great stuff going on. Really excited to hear all about it. And uh, like I said, a lot of listeners are going to know who you guys are. Just so, so everyone knows, this is not a sponsored uh, podcast. This is fans of, uh, of Rally Beer and fans of what you're doing. Just wanted to reach out and uh, to see what's going on and, and see what you're all about. So thanks, uh, thanks again for, uh, for coming on. My first question, I know all of you have a background in sports and athletics, but Alan, where did running start off for you? So, yeah, I mean, for me, you know, running, I guess, has been omnipresent for a long time. I can remember, you know, I grew up with Michael, who's on the call here, my co-founder. We used to run track, run cross country. I uh, used to be an anchor as a, as a sprinter back in the day. I mean, this is dating myself now back into uh, elementary school. And then I would say I went through kind of a long hiatus where I got into more action adventure sports, but recently kind of like the last two or three years, I've sort of been getting pulled back into running, you know, with, you know, just time being crunched and just really enjoyed kind of uh, discovering trail running and, and getting it into the woods. So I've been getting more and more into running the last kind of couple of years that way. Nice. And Michael, how about you? Yeah. I mean, Alan and I have known each other uh, for quite a number of years now. So my story is uh, very similar to his where running cross country growing up in elementary school, uh, again, kind of hung up the, the running shoes for skateboards and snowboards and that kind of thing. And then I'd say in the last 10 years, I sort of re-picked it up and reacquainted myself with it, I think in a effort to find a new way to, to sweat that wasn't necessarily as hard on the body as skateboarding. So it was definitely a, a bit of kind of like personal health and betterment that I wanted. And then I'd say in the last kind of five or six years, I've really started to uh, explore all the different disciplines, like Al was saying, trail, road running, uh, getting into marathon distances, half marathons, kind of all the all the fun stuff that comes with it. I've really, uh, yeah, renewed that that relationship with running. Yeah, and that's great. Uh, um, and then Spencer, just to bring it all together, uh, what has your history been like? So I guess, you know, my my running history would, would probably have started a little bit later on in my life. I, I grew up playing hockey and soccer. So I guess there was a bit of running involved there. But I, I sort of really took to running just after graduating from university, which is where Alan and I had met. And then subsequently, I met Michael through Al, just, you know, various, you know, backyard hangs and whatnot. And uh, I would say probably... You know, within the last five, six years, I've got a couple of marathons under my belt. But, you know, most recently, I would say that I'm really just, you know, trying to focus in on, you know, more endurance ultra stuff, just finding that to be, you know, a huge beneficial release for myself as, you know, we continue to navigate this business and keep my mind busy. That's a good start. You're all, you all have a background in sports, which is very helpful for, <laughs> for this conversation. So I guess maybe the first question is, you guys decided to to launch a a beverage or a, a functional beer, Alan. Maybe maybe kind of we'll start with you as one of the co-founders. What's your background and and why did you decide to launch a functional beer? Yeah, so I think um, you know the stereotypical thing where you know three buddies decide to start a beer company. I mean, I guess in a lot of ways that probably happens a lot, and it's definitely very true. And I think we probably had all you know joked about and said we were gonna do this, you know, many, many times over the course of, you know, kind of the last decade and a half or so. 
but for for me, and, and I think everyone probably has their own reasons why you know they got excited about this opportunity. But uh, the idea here with Rally is that you know we were building something um, you know that had a little that went a little bit deeper than just just a beer. So you kind of alluded it to it. You know, I'm not sure if all your listeners you know have heard of Rally before, but you know we are build, building this better for you functional beer company. And, you know, right now we're, we're heavily targeted towards athletes, towards that kind of post-sweat occasion. And even more so, you know, we're trying to build a brand that inspires people to get active, get outside, you know, get connected to nature. And we want to kind of support and be alongside all of those adventures and, uh, you know, hopefully do some fun storytelling and obviously have some good times alongside of all that. Yeah, and, and Spencer, I think your actual experience as well allowed it to all come together. And your history in hospitality, um, Soul House as an example, tell us why you wanted to get into creating a beer as well. Yeah, so I guess the journey with, with myself and Raleigh and, and sort of Alan and Michael started when Al was on his you know big bike ride that I'm sure will get brought up uh, throughout this podcast, the BT700. And on one leg of that uh, of that journey, he was stopping through Thornbury. I had just moved back from uh, England at the time and moved from London right to Thornbury. And I had, uh, you know, just started my entrepreneurial journey of opening up a restaurant there. And early days, you know, Alan and I were kind of going back and forth. And we, you know, we were drawing out a business plan of, you know, possibly looking at getting, you know, putting a brewery in there. Um, but we could never really find that sort of what was that hook? How are we going to be a little bit different? So we kind of tabled that idea and, you know, let time kind of run its course. And when Al was passing through on his bike ride, you know, he mentioned this idea that he had, that he had had and asked if I wanted to be a part of it. And the the rest was kind of history. We just put one, one foot in front of the other. You're all bringing something a little different to the, to the table here. And, uh, and I think that's probably why it's so successful. Sometimes you'll come together and it's like, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? Like you, you try to, to split up, responsibilities and maybe if you don't have so much experience you're kind of working through it but because you all have great experience in different areas it's it's pretty it's it makes it it makes it successful michael let's kind of round it out with you so i understand you're you're doing out of the art direction designing cans and stuff like that was that your background like where did that come from yeah uh, my background's uh predominantly been in uh brand development for the last kind of over 10 years or so now but I went to university for graphic design and uh, really had a focus on branding and brand development throughout my, my years in school. And uh, after I graduated, I started my own small practice and I was working for some local Toronto, Ontario clients. And then since then, I've kind of scaled up and worked in uh, various studios in Toronto, um, working for some larger global brands that you know include the cpg space athletics arts and entertainment but i think the the core of everything that i focused on has been in brands and how they show up in the world whether it's through packaging environmental or experiential design uh, digital print um, and really understanding all of the different touch points and interactions that people have with brands out in the world so I've been predominantly focused on building the Rally brand uh, alongside with uh, Al and Spencer. And as of late, been really focused on our new can designs as well as some some new projects we've got in the pipeline. Yeah, so that's great. And compliments uh, to the fact that you brought the imagery together and it sells well. And in, in, in the fact that you know, what the messaging says, the branding, the color, it all just comes together. And it's this like 2.0 version of a, a, a what um, conventional, you know, um, visual would look for a brand like this. You know, I just don't want to call it a beer brand. I think you guys are, are, are the team put more out there than just being a beverage company. So with everything and the visual and how it comes together and the messaging and the things you do in the community it is a, is a big deal. And it comes off as more of something more modern than the conventional approach to any uh, uh, beverage. Um, yeah, so kudos to you, Michael, too, to, for, for bringing that together. And then wanted to, for our listeners, to kind of clarify the part of all you all meet. So, you know, Jonathan and I know 
how you all came together, but I think Alan will be able to tie in, you know, how Spencer came to about and then uh, for yourself, Michael. So Alan, how did you all meet? Yeah. So, um, you know, I think as we alluded to earlier, Michael and I, you know, we grew up in uh, Oakville, uh, kind of small town just west of Toronto uh, together from a pretty young age. I think we probably connected first and Mike may be able to correct me here, but I think it was probably great, literally grade one, maybe grade two kind of thing and uh, became super close uh, pretty quickly. And then, you know, even more so as we went through kind of the trials and tribulations of getting through middle school, high school, going to semi-formals, you know, getting into some trouble, having a lot of fun, going on some adventures, that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, we really grew up together. And then for Spencer and I, you know, Spencer's also funny enough from Oakville. Uh, we don't go back quite as far to childhood, but we kind of, we crossed paths uh, in those early years. You know, I went to middle school with Spencer's older brother, Tyler, and, but it was actually in university when Spencer and I became kind of, you know, really close and became good buddies. And that was, uh, I guess, back in about 2007, uh, we both decided to go to university in Scotland and, and quite literally we met Eve over there. Uh, you know, even though we grew up, you know, probably only about maybe a dozen blocks from each other or so. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess the rest is history. You know, we've all been close. You know, we've all, you know, luckily the, the three of us have uh, hung out and spent some time together, but we've definitely spent more time, the three of us, this past year uh, than ever before. And it's all just been virtual, which has been the crazy thing, you know, with, with the pandemic and whatnot. Mike's on the West Coast in Vancouver now. And uh, it's pretty crazy. We've only had kind of virtual beers so far, but uh, it's been a blast. And yeah, couldn't couldn't pick two two people I'd rather do this with. It was meant to be that you you would all come together, and that works out really good. So, so Alan, when when you're all sitting there, again, yourself and Spencer uh, and Michael, and you're thinking, let's pull together, let's let's come up with a product. Early on, you talked about launching this beer, this this beverage, this product. If you look in the industry right now, there's a lot of light beers and there are beers that are light beers that are they're using advertising and marketing to kind of target athletes because they're a, a light beer. Your product is something completely different. So when you're when you're kind of going back and thinking about launching this product, were you thinking about weighing kind of a light beer versus um, a functional beer, or was it always thinking because of your athletic backgrounds, always functional? Yeah, I think that's a funny question, and I'm sure the others could chime in here too. Um, you know, obviously we had, you know, sort of the dream team here together. Um, but yeah, I think on day one, I don't know that it was, you know, fully thought out at that point in terms of, uh, you know, what what exactly we're, we were building. You know, on day one, we, we didn't have a name. I think the uh, the initial spark that got everyone excited was about, you know, redefining what a beer could be. And it was this idea and this sort of, you know, unknown, but sort of burgeoning category that we're calling functional beers that, that excited us. And for us, functional beer, it's not necessarily low calorie beer. It may be. But also it's just kind of like, you know, what else could it be beer be? What can we brew with that's unconventional, that no one's tried before? You know, how can we push the boundaries? And, you know, the, the first idea that we came up with was to uh, incorporate electrolytes into it because that really speaks to kind of the athletic side of our brand and getting out, getting the sweat on. And then, you know, already the, the kind of the best beers we ever had were after a big hike or after a marathon and that kind of first beer you get to, you know, toast your, you know, your competitors and, and kind of your, your buddies and your support team and whatnot. So uh, there was just kind of this sort of beautiful marriage of, you know, that occasion of, you know, after a session or at the finish line with this idea of, you know, drinking a beer that was tailor-made by that community and it had this kind of better for you element and this real kind of replenishing uh, nature with the electrolytes to it. And yeah, I don't know if, if Mike or Spencer want to want to jump in on that, but yeah, I think that's kind of what's most exciting about us. That's what got got our spark and got us started. And you know, now we're about building this platform and we're doing more storytelling and, and engaging with the community. And you know, I think like how Dre said, you know, we're trying to build something you know much deeper and more impactful than 
you know, just putting beer in cans. It's kind of the, you know, the secret is kind of like how we can pull it all together and pull the community together. Yeah, and it's evident. We could see it there where there is the ethos of um, what you guys see in our sports as um, a rallying message to get after it, regardless of your capability. It's almost like it's a sport drink, the, the way that the messaging is put out there, because it's not just, um, we, we come from the approach of running, but it's any action adventure, it's kite surfing. And the beauty about it is you all do the sports. You know, we, we do see you out there in the community doing the same sports. So it, it's built for everyone that is actually getting after it by the people that are getting after it. So I think that's why it, it sells so well in the aspect of how it looks um, to everyone else. And in reality, you could have gone, you know, uh, another route and just slap a color on a cannon and call it. But um, people from the space know who you are individually, even if you're, you're in the West Coast and stuff like that. And I, I think with um, there have been different projects that you know, the logo or just your name pop up, that is, um, you know, uh, bring it right back to the same thing as you say about making a beer for the community because um, that's what it is. And, you know, how did you all, well, I, I, before I even just uh, mention to, to everyone, what was um, that part of it about sourcing um, products for the beer, items for the beer locally? And maybe Michael could grab that. Actually, I think Al, you might be best suited to this with your relationship with Newfoundland and uh, and how you've sourced the sea salts. Yeah, for sure. So you know, from um, from day one, you know, we set out to build this company. Uh, we wanted to brew kind of this amazing beer. We wanted it to be different. We wanted it to be rich in electrolytes and kind of uh, you know be a trailblazer in this functional beer category. So we knew right away that you know supporting the local community was going to be paramount. Um, but I would, I would also say one thing we, we knew we wanted to do from day one is that, you know, more so than necessarily supporting the people and, or maybe just our own backyard, we wanted to support active communities first and foremost. So if you were training for an Ironman that's in Mont Tremblant or you're downhill mountain biking in Whistler, British Columbia, we wanted to kind of brew this beer for, for you. And, you know, we, we, we thought of it as a, you know, we have the potential to bring all of Canada together on this one. So, you know, yes, we certainly do um, source local where we can. We've got some amazing relationships with some Ontario, you know, farmers that grow barley and, and oats and, and those kinds of ingredients. Uh, but one of my favorite ingredients that we sourced early on is Newfoundland sea salt. So obviously everyone's aware, you know, sodium is kind of one of those key electrolytes. If you've ever kind of tasted your sweat, it's obviously really salty. And, you know, we could have just used kind of any old table salt there, but, you know, we wanted to go out, find the best salt. Uh, we engaged with salt companies in Newfoundland, as well as on the West coast of Canada, off the coast of British Columbia, where they're making kind of artisanal salt. The really cool thing there is that you get all kinds of other, you know, minerals within that, that type of salt. So yes, you're getting the sodium, but you're also maybe bringing in some of the other kind of amazing minerals that that each of those regions has to offer. And uh, when we discovered Newfoundland Sea Salt Company, you know, it's a couple, they're making the salt kind of literally by hand. They're literally kind of just drying the kind of pure seawater there and uh, selling the salt. So we really wanted to highlight that story, highlight that couple and incorporate that in, into the beer. So that's kind of one of the, you know, foundational building blocks of our beer. And so even though it's not from Ontario, you know, it's, it's from Canada and it's about supporting these smaller communities that are kind of, um, you know, really honing their craft and kind of all in on their passion. Um, so that would, that's what kind of most excited us, I think, about, you know, the supply chain side of things. You know, how can we support other people that are, you know, pursuing their passion, you know, through business and, and through creating a product? Um, so that, that was kind of really, I guess, one of the, one of the things that we, we really enjoyed early on is kind of sourcing all of this stuff. I bet. And Spencer, let's, let's, let's bring you in. So there's some complexity here with sourcing and, and procurement and kind of going through the motions. What was the most surprising thing that you discovered or maybe that any of you discovered uh, in this process? <laughs> I think it goes without saying probably um, 
when we sort of first started on the journey of, of you know, have, figuring out how to put electrolytes in beer, uh, mainly Al procured a bunch of, you know, various white powders that were all, you know, you know, different sort of, you know, magnesium and powdered potassium and whatnot. Um, you know, we would sort of, you know, drop it in a beer and whatnot, and the beer would just go crazy. It would start foaming everywhere and whatnot. And as we were on this journey, uh, quick, we quickly were told and realized that, um, you know, you're not allowed to fortify alcohol with any vitamins or minerals. So this is sort of, you know, to Al's point, just as he had discussed, you know, a little bit sort of that's kind of how the journey began as to, you know, us having to source items like salts from Newfoundland and, you know, black currant, these types of items that naturally have electrolytes occurring in them and be able to extract them, you know, throughout the brew process to, for the end result being an electrolyte rich beer. Yeah. We had no idea it take, well, I had no idea it took even anything like that to put it in the beer. It, it, the idea sounds so simple. It's like, oh, you just brew beer and then make it the flavor you want. But yeah, the ingredients, uh, you mentioned black currant. I have no idea what that is, but I think ultimately um, this is possibly how what you have to go to to make something even consistent and be readily available to put out to market. And that leads me to my next question. The difficulties, or I should I say, like maybe the other surprising things that, that stuck out trying to get this product to market and in stores. And I know uh, Michael had some, um, you know, back and forth there with um, the different outlets. Yeah, it's definitely been a, a steep learning curve, I think, on my part, and I think everyone's uh, for that matter. But the way the way we started Rally was really with a, a single product in mind, which was our flagship Golden Ale. Um, and what we wanted to do was try and get that to shelf, get it to the LCBO, get it to our uh, retailers, um, and get it into our guest hands as quickly as possible. And we managed to get quite a bit of success out the gate. We had a really positive response from a lot of different people in the community. So it was really encouraging for us. And I think that was kind of the, the moment where we saw the opportunity to take this from a singular product and really build this out into a much larger brand where there could be multiple different SKUs all living within the same family and really kind of living into this idea of a better for you beer and seeing all the different possibilities for different benefits and different flavor profiles that uh, beer could could have. So I think one of the things that we learned was it takes a lot to, to scale a brand up from, you know, being a singular product to house multiple. And I think in doing so, we've had to, to learn a lot from nutrition facts tables um, to LCBO requirements on can to, you know, figuring out that type sizes have to, you know, be to the millimeter uh, depending on what kind of information is being presented on the can. And so there's definitely been a lot of back and forth from, you know, retailers like the LCBO and, and on our part to make sure that we are up to code in every way that we need to be um, because it is a, a government controlled product. So I would say that that's definitely been where the most of my education in this space has been so far. This is all great. And thank you for, for kind of going through what happens behind the scenes, right? Because a lot of people, see these beers on the shelves or, you know, they'll see them. Even when I got introduced to it was when uh, Dre and I and our friend Anthony finished this like monster trail run. It wasn't supposed to be a monster trail run, but our friend Jen Coleman got us probably lost or something. And then um, we ended up at, uh, at her house and she, she had some rally beer waiting for us. And it was, yeah, it was very first time seeing it. First time, well, I guess I might have heard of it before, but it was really, uh, it's really remarkable. And but you don't think about. She started explaining, you know, those electrolytes all stuff. You don't think about all the behind the scenes stuff, and that's the stuff that's kind of really fascinating, especially if, you know for Dre and I. We like to get under the covers trying to figure things out quickly. Kind of, you know, we talk about about the products. You had your your kind of flagship beer, which I guess was the only one you had for uh, for quite some time. And you recently kind of rebranded. You rebranded it and called it um, Trailblazer. And you actually just released uh, another one, like a Session IPA uh, recently. So I guess it's kind of a few questions here. But Alan, let me start with the first one. So why, why the decision to rename the Golden Ale to, uh, to Trailblazer? 
Yeah, so that's, again, as these things are, and as you kind of peel back the layers of the onion here, I think that's a, that's a multifaceted thing. And Michael was kind of alluding to it earlier, too, where, you know, we got the Rally Golden Ale to market super quickly. Um, our goal was basically to get in people's hands, get feedback. And, you know, before we, you know, fully committed kind of our, our, our entire livelihood to this project, you know, make sure that, you know, people were going to dig it and, and that the beer was good and that it kind of, you know, just that it was a, you know, a great kind of add on to, to people's, you know, outdoor run or bike ride or what have you. And then, you know, once we got the response that we did, we, we started to, you know, develop new beers. There was a desire to bring in kind of new flavor profiles. You know, a lot of people love IPAs. So, you know, as you said there, we've now launched our second beer, which is a really, really delicious session IPA. Uh, it's a lower calorie, lower alcohol IPA compared to your typical one. So this is like a three and a half percent, 99 calorie beer, as opposed to a lot of those kind of heavy hitter IPAs that, that might be 7% and, and 300 calorie kind of things. But yeah, the decision with the rebrand, you know, partially it was due to some learnings with, you know, how the LCBO merchandises their products. Um, and then it's also just an evolution of the brand where when we first got to market, we kind of were thinking about the golden ale and, and maybe not as much about what the next product was going to be. So when we started to then think about having a family of products, you know, two beers, three beers, maybe five, um, you know, there's a desire then to, to differentiate them some more and, and each beer can have its own kind of, uh, you know, personality. So to introduce a name to the beer, you know, adds up that, that personality that, that, that we want to show off and that we want to kind of uh, build into our brand. So not every beer, you know, is going to be rich in electrolytes and tailored for, you know, an Ironman athlete. We wanted to have this brand be super inclusive and we want to experiment with other ingredients and other functional benefits, you know, far beyond electrolytes. So it could be mushrooms with adaptogens or turmeric or, or, or what have you, you know, we're kind of always trying to push the boundaries and we want to stay on that bleeding edge in terms of those ingredients that we're experimenting with. Um, so yeah, early on, you know, we did decide to, to do the rebrand and I'll, I guess I'll touch quickly on the LCBO merchandising thing. And this was kind of people in the industry kind of just sort of shaking their head at us. And, uh, you know, that's what happens when you, you launch a beer company during a pandemic and, and you're not even technically really probably allowed to go to the store and, and just kind of prove shelves. But, uh, the LCBO will chuck your, your case of beer up on a shelf in a cardboard tray. And anyone who's familiar with our first beer, you know, our logo was on the bottom half of the can about exactly where the cardboard tray would cover up to. So if you're just kind of walking down the shelf at an LCBO, you know, there's some of those large LCBOs, they might have 150, 200 different beers on offer. You know, so it, it, there is a game of, you know, how can you catch people's attention um, in an aisle? And our beer was actually difficult to find. I remember the first day I went to buy our own beer, I literally couldn't find it at, a, at our best store, which is a Collingwood store early days. Right? And, and it was on shelf, it turns out. I was literally talking to staff and we we're walking around trying to find it. So we did kind of move the logo to the top half and we called it the Trailblazer. That's sort of a nod to, you know, the fact that we're kind of this first mover in the functional beer space. And obviously that a lot of what we do is, you know, love getting out in the trails, whether it's on our bikes or, or, or uh, you know, trail running and whatnot. Yeah, I love the double meaning. It, um, it says so much to even um, having that, that actual experience where you're so clear about it. It's like, yeah, we couldn't find a beer, like literally, you know, the colors and stuff like that, that I'm sure Michael would have to uh, experiment and even um uh, proof out by printing stuff and try to uh, mimic in a shelf i would have never thought of that like literally if you it, the fact that you're able to then put it on the shelf and not even think that it, the label is covered in anything like that just to get that that first um look at it no i, I know you are planning to do something um in the future is like uh, possibly introducing something more inclusive for uh people that don't drink alcohol could you speak more to that so yeah, I don't know, if, Mike or Spence, put your hand up if you want to take this one. But yeah, we are, we have been developing a, a non-alcoholic beer, which we're all really excited about. And Spence has got his hand up here, and, and so maybe I'll let him take this. But yeah, we're, we're really excited about, you know, making sure that we have a beer for everyone who's present at, at, at kind of any of our events. 
and uh, you know the non-alcoholic we're really excited about, and I'll, I'll let Spencer take it. Yeah, I think just to echo what Alan had said, and and Dre, what you had said as well, to you know make it a little bit more all-inclusive, uh, you know those that don't drink, and I think that also it's a nice uh, sort of it's a nice complementary product, you know, as we continue to mature as a business and as a brand, to have, you know, it just feels like a natural extension for us and the type the messaging that we're conveying and and whatnot and you know as we've gone through this process we've all collectively drunk quite a bit of 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 alcoholic beer and there's there's a really amazing trend that's that's starting to gain some great groundswell both in the u.s and in canada with some amazing brands and and we feel that we've got uh you know possibly a really cool way to showcase you know a category that for a long time has just it's been overlooked I think to to continue on that, since since we started Rally, I think one of the biggest things that has been propelling us forward and really incentivizing us was kind of redefining our relationship with beer um, as you know three founders here, but also um, kind of cascading that out to to the rest of our demographic as well, who who seem to be responding and and feeling very similar similarly towards that we've all kind of had our relationships with beer where we've probably drank a few too many. And I think now we're at a point in our life where we are really, you know, setting a new stage and redefining what that relationship looks like. And I think broadening that into to spaces um, like non-alcohol as well, where we do see the opportunity for us to, to indulge in non-alcoholic beers, whether it's throughout the week or, um, you know, the night before we may have a, a long run or a long ride in the morning. We really want to kind of change the, change our story and our relationship with beer. Relationships. Let's, let's segue now. Cause you've, uh, you've opened a kimono. You've told us a lot about kind of the processing, the, you know, the, how you came to be a lot about kind of the packaging fascinating. I thought it was fascinating. The whole, part about LCBO or the beer store and having the um, cardboard box covering your logo on the uh, can. I thought that was kind of remarkable. It's the things that you kind of discover as you go along. So let's talk about relationships and let's talk about kind of community now. So recently you had an opportunity to create another can and Michael, maybe we'll throw this over to you. Uh, Parkdale Roadrunner celebrated uh, 10 years uh, as a, as a crew, which is a, a a huge milestone, especially in the running community, you think about kind of how long, how far we've come in the last ten years. One of the big things you did was design that can for for Parkdale, and the, the can was absolutely beautiful. So, Michael, maybe you can walk us through kind of what that process was like working with them. Sure, and thanks for for the kind words on the can. It was a lot of fun to put that one together. The story behind that one is, although I'm based uh, currently. Uh, in Vancouver. Originally, I'm from Toronto. I've lived there for quite a number of years and in Parkdale specifically. I think I spent about 11 years uh, in Parkdale. And um, I knew that when we had first started Rally, that getting involved with Parkdale Roadrunners was something um, that I always kind of wanted to do. They were literally right in my backyard. So a lot of runs happening all throughout Parkdale. And Mike actually lived about a block away from me. So him and I were, were always kind of crossing paths as we ran. And yeah, I knew that, you know, their 10 year anniversary was coming up. So I had gotten in touch with Mike and wanted to see how we could support and get involved uh, for this major milestone that they had. And things were kind of starting to head a little bit sideways with COVID. And there were a lot of plans for some in-person races and uh, some more, uh, yeah, in real life moments. But uh, we were still really, really happy to be a part of that that major milestone that they had achieved. Yeah, and I think that can itself, um, and that's just one of the many components that came together. The entire campaign was amazing. And I'm so happy that you all were part of it because it also showcases that a local brand like yourself can collaborate and work with another brand or um, community uh, uh, run focus. Uh, and that end of it was uh, like a great collection of stuff, even the CL hat and stuff like that. All, all those things are just collectible because there'll never be another 10 year anniversary, right? So it, it, it become this more special because when I do see the, the stuff out there, it becomes uh, way better. Yeah, it only comes, 10 years only comes once, but 
Parkdale Roadrunners, you know, has really always been so much about the community. They've done so many good things um, for for running in Toronto, for running in general. Um, but they've also done so much for the community of Parkdale. And as a, a proud Parkdale resident, I, I definitely wanted to get involved with them in, in any way that we can. And that's been something that's always been a top priority for us here at Rally is making sure we're, we're putting our best foot forward in, in our community, um, whether it's in our immediate backyards or beyond. Uh, we always want to make sure that we are, you know, a signal of uh, inclusion, diversity, being able to, to speak to as many people as possible and bring as many people along for the ride with us. So it was really a, a really perfect pairing for us to, to get involved with uh, Parkdale Roadrunners. Our only request, Dre and I only have one request. If you guys could stick around for another at least nine years, Dre and I will be celebrating our 10-year anniversary. So. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be a 10-year anniversary on the pod. What you mentioned there, even with Parkdale, and the fact that things that are in your background, you always want to support. And it reigns true here where um, not that you're part of just you know, one percent for the environment because you utilize cans, and then it comes full circle to be able to, you know, uh, clean up your backyard that we all play in, um, as Alan would always say. And clean up the dawn was one of those actual uh, spaces that y'all uh, went uh, and uh, did an actual event there. And I shouldn't say a event; there's a continuation of just different series of events. And, and maybe um, an actual Spencer could speak more to that. Yeah, I think they. I think the don't mess with the dawn trail cleanup was, uh, you know, was has been one uh, initiative uh, that we as a company have undertaken. Um, unfortunately, we'd love to do more of these, but just you know, COVID and and just trying to be you know be responsible and and keep our distance. It's 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 made that a little bit difficult. But as we set out on this journey, you know, Michael Allen and I had kind of laid down the framework of this of what we wanted rally to be and ultimately we wanted rally to be a purpose-driven company and by that we would have you know a sort of more charitable arm to the business so uh, obviously we've got the side that you know has to sell beer and continue to generate that machine but on the other side you know it's really important for us to be able to help inspire and give back to the community uh, donate our time contribute money whatever it might be to help raise awareness um, for different communities, different initiatives, organizations, et cetera. Um, so we have three main pillars sort of in the rally for good arm of the business. One of them being environmentalism, sort of, you know, trail cleanups like the Dawn. The other one being community. Um, you know, Dre, you and I have, and Al and Michael have all worked on, you know, some events that have involved this. And then thirdly, diver diversity and inclusion within sports. So, you know, our sort of exposure with don't with don't mess with the dawn is just you know a fraction of what we hope to do once this pandemic lifts and can continue to help and support you know the various initiatives that we have on our radar i love that you guys are thinking through all this and you know it means a lot to you and again let's go back to like some of you are trail runners some of you kind of ride through the trails so it's it all kind of comes full circle it's you know you you've experienced this is what your experiences are this kind of this is means a lot to you and you have a platform now through this through this product and uh through instagram and kind of the things you're working on and now uh, as a brand yourself you can kind of rally oh, sorry i'll say it fine rally people i did it in the last episode too Joy. uh rally people and get um people to to come on board with some of these programs and these initiatives and uh, I, I really, really love, and we both love that you're doing this. And it's not just about a product; it's about uh, the, the experience as well. So, thanks for thanks for for doing that. Yeah, of course, it's it's definitely a part of the business that I can confidently say that we all enjoy um, doing. Yeah, and for those who don't know, um, don't mess don't mess with the Don is uh, initiative where. Uh, community group would always organize a uh, cleanup of along the Don River Trail 
but you know, Dome Sudedan is is their like slogan and actual name. Uh, you've probably seen coverage, even if you live in Toronto or not. I just wanted to clear that up to make sure everyone knows what that is. And you know, uh, I've noticed too. There was a recent one that was supposed to happen, and obviously with the new rules, you weren't able to. But there are people still grabbing a bag and going solo to different spaces uh, on the Don Trail and even in their own neighborhood. So I, I think it's uh, the actual term itself um, isn't just location based anymore. People are um, still tagging Domes with the Don, and they're not on the Don Trail. They're just cleaning up anywhere that looks messy on the trail, which is like uh, it's a big deal. I, I, I really love it. I know um, I think there is uh, other things that this might have inspired because there has been um, a different uh, approach to something you did, uh, I believe, a, well, it's like a few months back and there was a food drive that you all did. What uh, What was the experience like? Yeah, I'm happy to take that one, Dre. And uh yeah, just it's always good talking about don't mess with the dawn and, and they've been a great partner and, and you know they're really stewards of the of the valley there. And uh Jonathan, I know you didn't want to use a pun there, but you know, the the new slogan I'm hoping that Don't Mess with the Dawn adopts is Rally for the Valley. So Oh, love it. <laughs> so that we'll see if that one sticks. Um yeah, the food drive Dre, you know, that's another thing. It was um an opportunity that uh kind of came our way again through our community. So uh, we had some people kind of, you know, let us know about some of the some of the the work that local food banks were doing. Um, I think it was especially poignant, you know, with with COVID, uh, a lot of families kind of struggling. It's during that time, the Christmas time, you know, it can be a weird time for a lot of people. Um, and then, you know, throw the pandemic on top of that. And so, you know, we got to know uh, the folks at uh, Daily Bread Food Bank, uh, their food bank in Etobicoke. And just, just the amazing work that they do in the community. And we had kind of some people who are rally fans, you know, say that, you know, oh, they'd be happy to, to donate, but, you know, a lot of people don't know how. And so we basically said, okay, well, we'll, we'll run a, a, our own little food bank to support the daily bread. And, you know, we'll kind of run around town and, and make sure we, we get, get everyone's food. We'll reward everyone, get a, put a beer in a few people's hands, that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, a great opportunity to, to get the word out and, uh, and do some good along the way. And, you know, like Michael, like Spencer has kind of touched on, you know, that whole rally for good thing is, you know, I think central to everything we do. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we're always just trying to do the right thing and, you know, do more than is required. So, yeah, we signed up for 1% for the planet, but a lot of those trail cleanups we do at Don't Mess With The Dawn, they don't even count. But our kind of litmus test right now is, you know, is it the right thing to do? You know, are we, are we kind of going that extra mile, I guess, if you will. And, um, you know, I think that's what's uh, been a big driver of our success is, is just kind of being willing to do that. And, um, you know, we're always willing to learn, evolve and, and, and hopefully get, you know, introduced and, and work with, you know, many more community organizations over the, the months and years to come. So, yeah, really excited about that. You know, the, the food drive was a great one. Forget the actual number, the the, the metric, but um, you know, I know the you know we filled up you know a couple trucks with uh, food kind of thing, and it was uh, you know a great thing. I think we were a small part of of the the solution, but you know every little bit helps, especially around that time of year. I've got a I've got a question. So you guys have had a lot of success so far. Uh, again, I'll just kind of go back to kind of Instagram and. Any of the runners, not any, but a lot of the runners we follow kind of in the GTA and around and a lot of trail runners are showing off the cans and are in their stories. And uh, it's all it's all really great. Uh, one of the things I was curious about, considering kind of your journey and, and kind of where you landed, maybe an interesting question. Michael, we'll start with you. If you, if you could do anything differently through this process, through what you've learned, is is there anything that you would maybe approach a little bit differently, whether it be kind of packaging? And I know it's a kind of a tough question to kind of throw at you, Michael, because you learn a lot in the process and dealing with LCBO and packaging and stuff like that. But is there anything you think maybe would have been easier to get ahead of before you launched this? Yeah, I think um, through the through my eyes, I would say, I mean, kind of going back to what we talked about in terms of some of the learnings that we had when we first launched and 
how the, the LCBO merchandises things as well as, you know, other retailers that we're now working with as well. I think if we had learned that lesson a little bit earlier on, it would have made things a little bit easier for us, uh, a little bit cheaper. But again, hindsight is twenty twenty, and we have learned quite a bit from there. So, yeah. That was a great response. And, you know, a lot of those, you've kind of learned as you go with some of these initiatives, you know, sometimes you throw out a minimal viable product and you kind of roll with it. Um, sometimes you don't have that luxury and you kind of put everything into the marketing of, of kind of where you are and then you learn as you go and you realize, oh, I, I could have done that differently. So that was a really good answer. Thanks, Michael. Alan, maybe kind of throwing it over to you, like maybe from a business sense and uh, maybe just from procuring items and products and stuff like that, what, um, or ingredients, like from your perspective, is there anything you think you would maybe do differently? I don't know if there's anything we, we do differently. You know, it's been a, been a crazy steep learning curve since day one. And, um, you know, every day, honestly, is still just a, just a huge challenge, you know, especially operating during a pandemic. I mean, you know, there's a, a can aluminum shortage going on in the world right now. Uh, you can imagine, you know, there used to be a, a heck of a lot of beers drank out of kegs, you know, now with, with COVID, you know, every single beer is pretty much drank out of can. You know, I think Spencer and I, we're, we've been through the trenches a little bit lately and, you know, just, just sourcing and, and making sure that ingredients or packaging are, are there on time, you know, at, at the brewery on the day they need to be is uh, kind of like a monumental uh, achievement right now. You know, would I do anything differently? I mean, I don't know. I mean, we didn't have a tremendous amount of resources on resources on day one. And I think part of the, the fun and, and part of the kind of authenticity that we're bringing to the table with rally is that, you know, we are open book and transparent about all of that. And, and you know, this is our first time starting a, a beer business, starting a beverage company, starting a kind of a lifestyle brand like this. So um, that's part of the fun. And I, and I think that's what, uh, you know, gets me excited to get out of bed every morning is, is go and kind of try to tackle these challenges. Uh, certainly there are tougher days than others, but, um, you know, overall it's been, uh, you know, incredibly re rewarding to, to go through the process and kind of figure it out on our own. You know, now that we've, we're growing a little bit, we've got some, you know, we've identified the right partners to work with and, you know, so it is getting easier, but on the same token, you know, we're, we're trying to expand and, and, and kind of build. So, you know, I'm not sure if we're, we're adding or if we're taking away to our, our plates yet, but uh, yeah, you know, I think that, uh, you know, we just got to roll with it. I mean, that's part of the fun when you set out on a new trail, you don't quite know what obstacles are coming and, uh, that, that that's part of the fun of it all. And um, to bring it all together, uh, what's next for Ali? Apart from the new family of, of beers that launching out, what's new and what's next? Maybe it's something proprietary that you may not want to share too much on, but you know, I know you mentioned about non-alcohol beer, but there might be something there that we're not privy of, but we're just going to get that inside scoop. Um, I'll, I'll, maybe everyone can, can touch on this, but yeah, I mean, I think the thing that I'm most excited about is doing stuff with our community so we're talking more experiential things having events you know maybe actually cheersing and who knows maybe even giving giving people a hug i'm not sure but you know just just the fact of you know we've been, had tremendous success kind of pulling the community together and having a lot of fun through virtual events but you know i know for me i'm really excited even to to have a beer with you know everyone on this podcast for example in person would be uh you know, probably a monumental event right now, but definitely kind of working on those more experiential uh, aspects of the brand and delivering really, really fun, cool, memorable experiences. And, uh, you know, hopefully getting to see more and more faces uh, kind of added to the rally community. Any uh, interesting collabs? Oh, I think we got a few things up our sleeves. I can allude to a couple things. You know, we've got some... Um, you know, with our merchandise, we're, we're always going to, we're going to be releasing some new merchandise stuff soon. We've kind of sworn off the throwaway single use cotton t-shirt and, and kind of beer koozie kind of stuff that you might see a lot of other beer companies put out. But, um, you know, we're really excited to be working on some projects with, you know, really cool kind of athletic equipment and, and gear and, and, and stuff that you're going to want to keep around in your closet for a long time. So yeah, stay tuned. Uh, maybe, you know, follow us on Instagram and, and, subscribe to our newsletter. We'll be, we'll be posting about that stuff uh, as it comes along. This is great. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Alan. This is probably the part of the episode where we'd all kind of lift our cans and kind of, you know, 
tap them or cheers or whatever it is and and just say thank you for for coming on uh unfortunately we can't do that so we'll virtually you know i guess give each other a cheers but i'm looking forward to to the day that we can get out there in a community with you and do some really great stuff. I know a lot of it's being virtual right now and uh, not, not as it's not the same, but looking for forward to the day where we can get together and, uh, and do some great stuff together in the community. Super grateful, you know, Alan Spencer and Michael that you, you'd come on and tell us kind of your journey launching this incredible product and what it's been like and, we really, uh, really appreciate you, uh, you coming on. So, Spencer, how about you? Anything you want to say before we go? I use this as a platform to say for everyone that is listening, uh, you know, thank you for your support. You know, so far, um, you know, we're incredibly lucky to share this journey with you, you so far. And, you know, we're really excited for, you know, what lies ahead post-pandemic, the new normal, whatever it might be. And we can't wait to see you guys at the finish line. Amazing. Alan, how about you? Uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm just excited to be on this podcast. And uh, Jonathan and Dre, I think you guys are amazing ambassadors to the community as well. So, you know, really, really excited that we got to be a part of, uh, you know, the podcast here. The offer is definitely out there for us to do an in-person one, um, somewhere fun, you know, bring the energy, bring the, we'll bring the beers. And uh, yeah, really excited to kind of uh, keep up with you guys as well. Love it. Love it. Thanks for the, for the kind words. Appreciate it. Michael, take us out. Yeah, I got big, big love and gratitude for all of our community who have helped us get us to where we are. Without them, I, I don't think we'd be in this position. And I also just want to share some some kudos to Dre and you, Jonathan, for having us on the podcast. It's been a pleasure sharing some of the insights and a bit of the behind-the-scenes story as to how Rally's gotten to this point. Um, and I think you guys are doing some really great work with Longest Strides. So can't wait to tune into the next episode. Dre, did you pay them or something before we started this? too good too good too good <laughs> we appreciate you all and uh this is the longest tried podcast peace peace